This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest instalment of the View from the Cop podcast. I'm your host Paul Wheelock and to help me look back on what has been an incredible 10 days for Liverpool, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Philbin. Hello. Keever O'Neill. Hi. <laughs> two debutants on this show. To my right, Matt Addison. Hello, mate. And also to my right, all the way from Australia, via LA, George Zantis. Thank you very much. Hello. Now, Australian Reds will no doubt have heard George on the LFC Couch, which I believe is Australia's largest Liverpool-dedicated community podcast. Yes. But it's great to have you with us today. And you've not picked a bad week to be over there, have you? No, no, it's uh, it's incredible. I was supposed to be here for a little bit longer for a holiday, but work kept me back in the States for a little bit longer. But um, it's been great. Napoli was incredible to be there for a night game. Champions League debut for me as well. Um, and yeah, what a night. It was incredible. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely come to that Napoli game in a moment. Uh, you go into the United game as well on Sunday, aren't you? Yes, I'll be there. Yes. Yeah, we'll be we'll be covering that in, uh, in later in the podcast as well. But yeah, we've got we've got to start on Tuesday night, haven't we? On Napoli with the win over the Italians, putting Liverpool through to the Champions League knockout stages. It was all set up to be another famous European night at Anfield, and it certainly proved that to be, didn't it? It was another famous night to. Extent. Um, I don't know. This year, for me personally, I just can't get up for Europe. <laughs> I, I think it's. I'm all in the Premier League. So, a full time, like everyone was going quite mad. I was like, we're only through to the knockout stages. That's when the Champions League starts properly for me. And um, it's like going mad and celebrating wild, like after knocking somebody out of the fourth round of the FA Cup or something like that. That's how it, that's how it felt to me. But before the game, everyone was like, oh, Napoli are going to score. It'll be one of those nights. It'll be similar to Olympiacos, when it was never going to be like that. The, this Liverpool team under clock now this season just does what it's got to do, and it, everyone was like one 0 get you through. Southampton's going to win one 0 It's all right. They're not going to score. On to the next one, kind of thing. That's how it felt. Apart from the last five minutes, when you could tell that everybody in the ground was worried that Napoli was. I even said to my brother, I felt like oh, these are going to score in a minute, but they didn't. And that save from Allison at the end is just—I can't think of a save that I've seen live that seemed so amazing. But watching it back, it was a great save. But it wasn't as good as I thought it was in the ground. Like I just, but yeah, I think it, it meant more, night. didn't it? The save. Mm. Yeah, it's the context of it as well, wasn't it? The timing and, and and everything with it. Yeah, you can look back on it and think, you know, I mean, you can analyse it like people have been saying. You know, it's not a not not a good save, but you've got to have the intelligence as a goalkeeper to be in that position you know we've had goalkeepers in the past would have been the other side of the goal so you know made up with our yellow brick wall <laughs> yeah he, he took the plaudits didn't he but it was a, again following on from Bournemouth it was a really really impressive team performance would you agree yeah absolutely um, and when you think team you think of like defence and midfield in particular sort of working their magic and just acting as a unit and one person I mean Alisson is great in that regard but I think Van Dyke. You just, especially being in the ground, I just did moments where I just did like player cam on Van Dyke, and he's barking <laughs> orders. And one thing I've noticed in particular is he's very vocal to the midfielders, and that's important for getting the defensive solidity. Is always telling him, also in possession, get out of my way. I can ping this ball like Kuman. So you know you don't need to be in my way. Go off to the side or even progress a little bit more, and that's good because when we verse those teams with the pack defenses, it's good to have more options forward. And it's good to have someone like Van Dyke pressing people forward like that. Yeah, I mean, I'd say um, Junior Van Eldum as well sort of does a, a similar job to Van Dyke, but a, a little bit further up the pitch, uh, keeping hold of the ball. There was a moment at the end where he just kept hold of the ball, 
he had five, six players around him. They just bounced off him. And I think that saw us through in the end. Mm-hmm. It's only been here a year, Van Dyke. It seems a lot longer, doesn't it, given the impact he's made? You know, I wish it, it was a lot longer. Well, <laughs> that title may have already been, you know, because yeah. I think he does make that bigger difference, and, and Alisson does too. But they've had some great centre backs over the years. Most recently, Carragher, Hippier. Do you think he already is standing the test of time, Van Dyke? Is he already up, up there with some of those, some of those great players? He's got to win things. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Like the great Liverpool players win things. I know. You look back and. Uh, Torres, unbelievable, should have won something with that side, but he didn't. And same with Suarez, he only won the League Cup. You don't want another player of that calibre being at Liverpool when we don't win things, and it's just like there's going to be question marks over him then. Like for me personally, the great players win things at Liverpool, so until he's done that, you cannot compare him to Carragher and Hibier and Alan Hansen this summer. Um, comparing them to already, so yeah, he is a leader though, isn't he? he? I know Henderson wears the captain's armband, and we may we will come on to the midfield in due time. But he, he's a proper leader, isn't he? A Van Dijk, a man of this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, um, like I said, he's he's barking orders, and you know, you also he's he's always got his hands up and trying to get the defense up with him. And one thing that we, I think, especially it was like a probably a symptom from the Rodgers era was the the space in between the midfield and the defence. So having someone like that, a leader at the back that is telling everybody when to move up and when to shift, it condenses the play. And when everything's condensed, it's compact. And you always heard Rafa, compact, compact, used to say. Um, so it's you always want things to be a lot closer together because it's easier to manage. But yeah, absolute leader in defence. And it's, it's, it's one of those captains that doesn't need the captain's armband, which is great because I, I don't mind Jordan Henderson having the captain's armband and he is the club captain, as the manager always says. So Van Dyke is just one of these people. It's like, I don't need the armband. I can just do it without it. We'll find out on Monday who Liverpool get in the next round of the Champions League in the knockout stages. We know Virgil van Dijk will will be out for that game. And uh, Joe Matip, who I thought played really well on uh, in midweek, and he's, he's come in for some criticism for some of his performances of late. He's injured. Joe Gomez is injured. Is this a concern now? I know James Pearce, our Liverpool reporter, was even doing an article yesterday saying it may change Klopp's transfer plans in January. Do you think another centre back might be needed? Bring that cool, cool Valley in. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you've got you've got the inside track on him as well, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think, okay. But um, no, it, it is a worry. I've said this last night. I was on City Talk, and you know, it, it's one of them. It's it's not even the like. Christmas period's coming now and all them fixtures are just going to be flying and we need, you know, but then at the same time, we've got Van Dijk and I think, like, I've said it a hundred times, but I could play next to him and he, we, we would win. I think anyone could. He could play alone, him and Alisson, and we'd win, I think. I'm convinced. I mean, don't try it, but... Um, <laughs> but, you know, we've got, we've got Lovren, who's back fit. He come on the other night, obviously, so there's an option there, I think. Um, as well, and then there's that young Nat Phillips, and I think you know he, he might get put in. Maybe not for United's massive game, but you know the games that come after that, say like Wolves, you, you might see the young lad who impressed in pre-season in the summer and has a lovely backstory as well. He was about to go to American College, and then you know had a trial at Liverpool, ended up in pre-season playing at the the place he was meant to go to university for Liverpool. So you know, quite a nice story there, and hopefully he'll get some minutes. The worry is Van Dijk's uh, sorry, Lovren's injury record more than Van Dijk and Lovren playing these amount of games together because Lovren, people don't like him, but I think I honestly think he's a great defender. It's when he starts thinking that 
he's Grace. Well, not even that. <laughs> <laughs> it's when he what's it called? When he tries to um, do more than just the basics is when he go, it goes wrong for him. So if he and you see that it's less and less next to Van Dyke because Van Dyke's doing the things that Lovren was trying to do, so it takes that pressure off him. It's just whether Lovren can stay fit for this period over the next three to four weeks because Wolves in the FA Cup in a few weeks, you look at that and go, there's two games where you don't use either of them, just play the kids that night and because Wolves are going to do the same, you'd imagine. But the injuries to Gomez and... Um, Matip gives an excuse to go and sign the third best centre half in the world in Koulibaly <laughs> behind Gomez and Van Dijk so yeah it's, it's really interesting as well because before the season started I, when we sold Klavan <clears throat> I said I, I just wanted as many players on the bench as possible like because you see United who they brought on when they used to win the league it's like Makeda and all that um, Makeda was a youth player but you know you, you've got I think they had Park and they've got you know Nani on the bench and I just thought at the time you know I think it was the right decision getting rid of him because he would have been upset all this time but I'm just thinking, just for this one season, just have a fifth choice centre back, just for this season. Um, you know, we're in a bit of trouble now, but I, I think Matt Phillips will be. I think he'll be good. He's one of these players that um, I think he's even had the, an interview, perhaps where he said that Jurgen Klopp has said to him, "You're better than what you, than what you think you are." And we've also got history of Klopp saying this to Oxlade Chamberlain. He said to Chamberlain, "You know, you can score from outside the box. You've got that ability." And then when the players start to believe what Klopp believes in them, they'll start performing. I think Phillips will do really well for us. Yeah, I mean, I think we could see maybe Gini Wijnaldum. I know he dropped in last season. You think about how much, as we said before, how much Virgil van Dijk can improve the players that are alongside him. Maybe him or Fabinho would probably be Klopp's safer option before he goes for one of the youth players. But I think we just have to wait and see. I I did say at the time I wasn't sure about Ragnar Klavan being sold, but it's too late for that now and... You know, Jürgen knows best. I miss Clavon most for his song. I'm still singing it anyway. It's not here, but always have Burnley and Turf more. We mentioned Koulibaly then. In all honesty, it's probably not going to happen is it? <laughs> as much as uh, most Liverpool fans would like to see that coming as a third centre back. But do you think in January Liverpool should make a, a, a signing? Because I know on a podcast we were doing last week, uh, some of the guys were saying that from a position of strength Liverpool are top of the league now through to the Champions League knockout stages almost from a position of strength improve the squad further do you think Klopp should be active if, if it's not a centre-back another position? Yeah I, I I still think they could go back in for Fakir I mean there's there's probably people who know more about that than I do but yeah it seemed like it was pretty close and Liverpool played hardball and it was it's great to see Liverpool playing hardball but a, a Fakir type I reckon that, that midfielder that breaks from that midfield position and then joins the attack uh, is probably someone we could afford to go for. Apart from that, maybe maybe a defender. But um, yeah, I, I still I still think there's room for it. But like we've we've experienced in the past, Klopp won't make an unnecessary sort of um, transfer, as he says in the right moment. If there is one for him, you know, he will do it. And if there isn't, he won't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't see him panicking and thinking we've only got two fit centre halves. Let's just go and get someone short term. I know he has done it in the past, obviously, with Stephen Corker, but I don't think we're going to see him. Pass from the past. Um, <laughs> the <striker>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. If the right thing does come up, I'm sure the club will, will make the right moves. I just think back to 2013-14, with the, what you said about the position of strength, because in the January window, Liverpool were after Conor Priyanka, and it was all right up until the deadline, whether you're going to sign him or not. And I, I personally think if you had him, I don't know how good he was or not, but he was just a different option. 
and the game against Chelsea in 13-14 and everyone always talks about having that different option on the bench could have changed the game and doing that from a position of strength if we top on January 1st you might as well just go and just go and buy buy whoever you need to stay top I want Isco mate did you see last night he uh, Marcelo went off and offered him the armband and he refused it and I was like <laughs> go on go in for him club. just buy him We, you know he, he could do something couldn't he but yeah. he's one of them players you always buy on FIFA don't you because he's steadfast and <laughs> it's Coutinho-esque as yeah. well the yeah. way he dribbles and does, doesn't lose the ball low centre of gravity so yeah good show Coutinho shout. was in Liverpool last night as well wasn't he, he? Was, yeah. uh, Firmino's wife's party mm-hmm which was quite interesting the kind of consensus there is if it, it isn't like another backup centre back it would be a midfield and probably I don't know even 10 days ago before the Everton game I think it was it'd be pretty unanimous everyone would say if there's one area that Liverpool needs to strengthen at the moment is the, the centre of the park fast forward 10 days and, and four wins Klopp's got so many options there isn't he everyone's playing well again in midweek he went back with his tried and trusted Henderson with Alan Milner but Cater and Fabinho were showing signs of really coming to life now who is the best free at the moment then? Um, it's sort of, I, I think it's one of those moments where, you know, like when everything's good, we say everything's good. When everything's bad, we say everything's bad. I think this is a moment we could sort of say, look, it's always been fine. You know, it's the best word I can use for it, fine. And then now that we're in some form, I can still say the midfield's fine. It's not fantastic all of a sudden. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's, it's sort of doing a, a little bit better of a job than what it was doing before. I mean... People do not like the Milner, Van Eldum, uh, Henderson axis, uh, but it, it is something that we sort of worked with last season. And what we saw last uh, on Tuesday against Napoli was that four-three-three that we saw last season. It's sort of that triangle going forward and trying to burst forward as quick as possible, counter-attacking. Um, so, yeah. And, and you're just saying then as well, do we actually need an, a midfield option given that? I still think we do. I still think there is that breaking option that we need. Uh, but it's great to have someone like Kay to come on because it's almost at different sides of the midfield. We've got someone to bring on to protect the defence in Fabinho. We've got someone to burst through in Kater. So it, 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 it is looking fine. Uh, but yeah, again, I still think we need a breaking forward guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, personally, I think the more Nabi Kater gets involved in the team and the more he gets used to the way that Liverpool play. I think he's going to be that guy. I think Klopp saw him as the Coutinho replacement all along, to be honest. Um, and if he does favour that 4-3-3, having two of the more solid options, Henderson, Milner, Wijnaldum, and then Cater as well, I think that, that could be problem solved long term. For me, Liverpool's best performance this season, it was Bournemouth away. We were brilliant that day, and I think... The fact that that midfield three was Fabinho, who naturally just knows how to sit. Wijnaldum, who can just control the game, control the tempo, and then Keita bombing forward and like linking with the forwards was the reason why we were so good that day. And if they're all fit, then that should be the midfield three. Like in the past, I think Wofford away was the first time where like, you really know like. Personally, you, you know that I don't like Henderson. I wouldn't have him anywhere near the squad. I don't think he's that good. Like the way he's playing, if Joe Allen was still at Liverpool and playing like that, he'd be getting all sorts from every corner of the ground. All he does is safe, which it's not good enough for the team who we are looking to do something. So, uh, Watford away when he got sent off, I think that was the first time Henderson showed frustration where it was like. This team's evolving at a rapid pace here, and I'm just not 
joining in with this, I'm just staying at the level that I am. He's the only player at Liverpool that Klopp hasn't improved. And with Kaita coming in and showing what he's about, and Fabinho, who, he, like the five, five, ten minutes he was on at Napoli, he won about four or five massive headers. Um, those two have shown why Klopp has paid so much for them and why he's been patient with them. And I, I honestly think that if Kater stays fit at the level that he's playing at now in the previous few games, Liverpool will win the title. Strong views about Henderson there. If anyone who's listened to Paul on these podcasts <laughs> will probably know which direction he was going in there. But you've, pro- you've probably never been as strong on, on that before, saying no. he's the one player that Klopp's not improved. What, what do you guys think? The, the, the Henderson debate, it will never go away, right? I know, it never will, and I'm kind of bored of it all. <laughs> like, oh, um, I feel like sometimes it's quite unfair, and I can see sometimes why it is fair, and sometimes you're watching him and you just think pass forward. But he does pass forward as well. You know, Henderson is this player who came to us when none of these, none of this sort of goodness weren't coming to us at the time. Do you know what I mean? We had a difficult sort of time, and then I don't know. He is the captain. You've got to sort of respect him, and that's where I see it. But I think, as you say, Bournemouth is quite telling because that is sort of even against Napoli, Fabinho and Keita come on, um, Klopp went for the trusted. You know, the the three players that took us to Kiev. Um, but I think we will see that that cut, you know, that midfield trio of Wijnaldum, Kater, and um, Fabinho um, over the course of the season. But we have to respect Henderson and Milner as well, the fine line, because against Burnley, Milner scores that important goal, and in a season that we hope that we're going to have, we're going to win the league. We need these players to be there, like we've said about squad depth, we need it. So it's not really, it's kind of like a fun thing to just talk about every week the midfield, like, oh, you know, should we play that? But it's it's nice to have that, because look at our defence now, it's sort of, you know, ebbing away. These players are getting injured, so as long as we've got players, five or more, I'm happy about that. There's a reason why Klopp spent 40 million on a natural hold midfielder, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I think also with Henderson, there is... Sometimes there's stats that can't prove things, and it's when you watch. It's not particularly, and I'm a fan of Henderson. I think he's, I think he's a good player, and there's nothing wrong with having a good player in the squad. And if someone like Fabinho is better than him, there's nothing wrong with having Fabinho ahead of a good player and having someone like Henderson replace maybe that. Now he's not the same player as Lallana, but Lallana was someone you know at the moment who we're thinking of someone coming off the bench and impacting for us. There's nothing wrong with having a Henderson-style player coming coming in and impacting for us. The problem is. There was actually, I can't remember what game it was in. I think it may have been, it was not Southampton, but there's a game that Shakiri starts and he's, he's dying for the ball. And Henderson gets it and he sees him. And it's between two midfielders, he doesn't make the pass and Shakiri slaps his leg, goes, why don't you give me the ball? And Henderson sort of looks, doesn't give it straight away and gives it forward still, but to somebody else. It's probably that sort of pass. He still gets the forward pass stat. It just didn't come quick enough. So it's that receiving it and giving it quickly forward to the right person. There's no stat for that. So he probably passes it forward and quickly a lot. But it's that thing you've got to see. It's, it's, it's harder to see, is all I would say. And like I said, he's a great player. Um, but if better players come in, I'm always happy for better players to be in. 
basically. He seems like he always wants to keep possession as well. Like he's scared to give the ball away, and I think that sort of plays into why he doesn't always play them passes because he's thinking if it doesn't come off the crowd, they're gonna get on me back. And I think there's a responsibility of him being the captain and stuff like that. So he needs to let go of that and just you know you know. Well, you know what? Someone like Van Dyke is going to help him with that because you see a lot when um, Henderson gives the ball to Van Dyke and then says, "Give it back to me." And Van Dyke, like I probably mentioned before, Van Dyke goes, "Go away! Get! I can make this pass. It's not that important." So yeah, it's probably a lot more of that as well. That patience thing, maybe he wants to try and do. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've been a Henderson fan for quite a long time, but this is—it's kind of reaching a point now where you can see what Fabinho brings. You can see that he does things just that tiny bit quicker. And when you are Liverpool and you're trying to break down a packed defence at Anfield, sometimes it is just that split second, that making that right decision, that Henderson doesn't always get right. Sometimes he does play it too safe. Sometimes I think people say that wrongly. Sometimes it's not about a forward pass, it's about the right pass. And sometimes keeping the ball is the right thing. But I think you can see long term the plan is for Fabinho to be that number one player. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think this week's proven, hasn't it, that Klopp knows what he's doing. Like You see the outcry on Twitter when the team selection was named on, on Tuesday night about the midfield. and God, So many weeks have gone by where people are asking, is Fabinho going to be worth the money? Is Cater going to be the player everyone wishes him or hopes him to be? And it's coming to fruition, isn't it? Another thing, probably what a big talk about, about Liverpool this season has been the style, you know, even though the, the club is enjoying its best ever start to a league season, which is incredible given the success the club's had. There's been times where we've probably suggested, is, is the football good enough? But over these last 10 days, Everton, Burnley, Bournemouth, Napoli, have we not seen a side that can win in different ways? And certainly Napoli and, and, and Bournemouth win with that kind of swashbuckling style that was you know so synonymous with the side last season. Yeah, I think that... Also with style, I think, comes a little bit of a decision of how much energy to put into the games. I think, you know, we mentioned, we were talking about this off air, but last season, we were all, I think, and and Sam Maguire put a tweet out around October or so, November, and our pressing stats were very low last season at the start. And it's clear that Klopp's come off a very, very hard preseason with his side. He's probably saying to them, let's try and ease into the the season and uh, let's not run ourselves to the ground let's really put the accelerator on in December now we lose a couple of weird games in December January last season or is it Jan um, but by and large it was it was okay and we ended up getting a roll of momentum what are we seeing now the same thing beginning of the season we start the press isn't as high now as we're getting into the business end of you know where Christmas is where Klopp says is probably the most dangerous and most important time it looks like he's putting on the accelerator what I love is, though, that this season, when we've gone through that taking the foot off the pedal, we're top of the league and uh, we've got a record points total. Last season, we put our foot, up, foot off the accelerator and it didn't work that well. So what Klopp has taught this team how to do, and it's taking its time still, we weren't perfect. He's teaching us how to be, how to play to our strengths and our style, but not have to do it at 150% all the time and if we can find that balance we can start going through seasons and just like a manual car take your foot off you know like trying trying you ever tried to rest a car on like a slope you like foot off foot off the clutch and just you know see what we need to do and um yeah I, I think the more that we can do that the stronger this side's going to be I think the big difference this season is the defense because in the first half of last season we went into every game thinking probably got to score two goals here or we're not going to win 
Whereas this season, we've seen how many clean sheets. I think it's the the best um, goals conceded tally of, of any season ever for Liverpool. And if you know that that you know the result's going to be something to nil, and you only have to score one goal, you don't have to go full pelt all of the time. You can be patient. You can pass it. You can create opportunities and score when you you know when it's when it's right to do so. But you don't have to panic and and concede goals at the same time. It's just like it's it's a team, it's a good team, isn't it? That like that's it. I've mentioned it a number of times. It reminds me of Chelsea or four or five. They just know how to win, and people call it call it boring. If you got if you find them that boring, then you, you you're not used to good sides because good sides are not erratic. They just get the job done. As simple as that, and that's what Liverpool are doing now. Even good sides, though, you know, well-drilled sides like the one you were talking about there, Chelsea United in the heyday. They used to win so many games in the second half season, one nil. You still need that X factor. You still need that player <coughs> who can win you the game. Well, and Liverpool have got that in Mohamed Salah, haven't well, you? And he's back, isn't he? He's back. He, now. He, Did he ever go away? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. He, he. <laughs> Did he still, go away? <laughs> he's still sitting joint top scorer in the Premier League, isn't he? But I, no, he never he never went away. But was born with. The, probably the first time this season where you thought, wow, that that's the he, he's back to hundred percent himself almost. If you know what I mean in terms of his fitness, mentally, he just looks he looked you know like he was last season. Something clicked, for, like for me personally, it was against Fulham at home. Something happened, and he uh, he just absolutely roasted Fulham. I think it was Sessignon he roasted, and he just went. It just looked like oh, here he is, he's back here. And then about two three minutes later, he scored. And then since then, he hasn't looked back really. I think that's what I think everyone's just been waiting for that moment where you go, oh, that's Salah that we've been used to. I think the position change didn't help, but the other night he was wide. It'll be interesting to see what Klopp does with him on um, on Sunday. But he scored eighteen goals for club and country this season. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And to say that he's not playing well, it, maybe it's just like the team. He's just cracking on and just doing what he has to do to score the goals and later on in the season he'll just score five a game or something yeah um, I'm, I'm one of the people that just sort of says I don't think he, yeah, he really did go away I think we're all sort of you know agreeing on that um, I think we, it's the shoulder thing would have played a part because I think people were noticing when he took off his shirt at the end of the game whatever he would sometimes have the strapping and then just about when he's performing, maybe the strapping's gone, I don't know, but as a footballer, it, it, it is there, it does matter, and sometimes that could be a thing that is on your mind. Um, and by the way, you know, going back to like the Champions League, when he's using his arm with like Ramos, you know, who, who did what wrong, Salah uses his arm a lot, and so, right, I mean, we just saw it on the weekend against Napoli, when he's about to receive the boards from Milner, that arm is out again, so it is important for him, that's how he keeps people off, and I was always taught, day one when you're shielding arm goes up don't use your hand but use the your forearm so uh it's great to see he has that ability back because that's what gives him the ability to turn his pace off the mark has been great this season it's been great and now he's just he's starting to roll his man which is a really important part of his game um and yeah then he puts him away and he does his uh whatever celebration he's doing, which is his looking off into nowhere. I don't know what button that is on FIFA that, you, that allows you to do that. You just don't press anything. Don't press anything and they just stare. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, he's, it's, he's proving that he's, he, he's definitely not a one-season wonder. We know that. He's, he's incredible. You don't score 40 goals if you're not incredible. 
Are you bothered by his celebrations? It is a talking point. I know, like, on our Facebook group, the Blood Red Facebook group, and on Twitter after the game, everyone's absolutely made up through to the Champions League knockout stages. But still, people are saying he's not celebrating, though. I'm not bothered. If he's scoring goals, then I'm happy. Um, I think it's more like Gary Lineker and stuff on BT Sport. He sort of says, is this something Liverpool fans should worry about? And then it gets, you know, the media and everyone thinking, oh, he doesn't celebrate. I think players need to celebrate if they're scoring. Like, he scores that many goals. He's probably bored of celebrating now. I'd be bored. I'd be like, oh. you know, he's probably tried and tested everything now. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to go with the... It's sort of like a cocky kind of celebration. Like, I don't need to celebrate. It's different, say, you see it with Romelu Lukaku for Man United. He he sort of feels aggrieved at times. I think the way he sort of, you know, the way it goes for him and the fans are on his back and stuff, he doesn't get played or whatever. So he'll just stand there. And you know that I'm standing there because of that. With Mo, it's not like that. It's just like, I've scored, I'm happy. You know, I don't think he needs to celebrate. I don't think it's a thing to worry about. You know, we've got him on contract for a long time. He ain't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you can see him in videos and stuff that the club puts out. He's in training, he's happy. He's on his Instagram stories and stuff. He's still messing about with Dan Lovren. And, you know, it, it's really nothing to worry about. As long as the ball keeps finding the back of the net as regularly as it does now, then it's absolutely no problem for me. It's also worth noting that he, as soon as he's done his sort of serious celebration, that little child in him goes, yay! And he like does like a celebration, <laughs> like pumps his arm or, you know, he does his standard, you know, kissing the floor thing. But, you know, also there is the quote that, that was by Didier Drogba, I think, last season where um, I don't know if he had a conversation with, with, with Drogba and then even Etu's come out and said things about conversations with Salah. But one thing that Drogba said was, um, or it could have even been Henri, I don't know, all these great strikers, but one of them said that... Uh, you know when a striker knows what he's doing or a, a player knows what they're doing when they've stopped celebrating goals. It shouldn't be a surprise that I've scored. So it's a good mindset to have. We shouldn't be, uh, you know, no one should be worried about him not celebrating. They should be happy because it shows he knows what he's doing. It shows he's under, he, he, he's, he's got everything under control and it shows that he knows that the plenty more are going to come. When people celebrate, like, oh, it's the best feeling ever. He's like, I'm going to get this. Like you, like you were saying before, it's, it's, it's going to happen again. You know, So I think it's a good thing. Whether it happens on Sunday, we're yet to see. But it's United. What a game to end this brilliant run of fixtures that Liverpool have had. Is it a chance to rub United's nose is it on Sunday? Or is there any party that fears Mourinho will do what probably does best and try and spoil the party? You know what? I was going to come and approach this. He's the old of the party, people, doesn't he? <laughs> and I... I When United were in the position that we are, and we were where United were in the early noughties and nineties, Man United would be looking at Liverpool coming to Old Trafford and going, oh, they're nowhere near the top four, let's take the mess out of them here, go and win 2-3-0. Like you'd, you'd want to get off after 45 minutes at Old Trafford because it was game over, they're laughing at you. We've got the chance to do the exact same thing to them here and put them 11 points behind the top four, which... Is mad for Manchester United in December, but then it's the Jose Mourinho coming to Anfield, boring the game out. I I don't think we've really got a great record against Mourinho, so it'll be interesting to see how he how he comes to Anfield because he was saying the other week that they'll be in the top four by Christmas. So if that is the plan, well, I don't think they can mathematically get there. But if he wants to be close. He's gonna go. He's gonna have to come and try and win the game, isn't he? So, yeah, 
I think 13, 14 was quite, 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 quite telling for this. Yeah. 13, 14, when we last went for the league, it's quite telling because Mourinho is obviously Chelsea's manager and they're sort of a little bit way out. They're not going to win it. They don't win it in the end. But he comes to Anfield and literally parks the bus and, you know, people, not me, are calling it a tactical masterclass. It kind of is. If you need a win, you know, you do what you've got to do and obviously the slip was unfortunate and everything else like that. That's way in the past. I'm not over it, but I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> um, but in that season, we also done the double over United, home and away. And I think if we're going for the league, we need to beat United home and away again because it's just that... And they were they were awful that season. They just you know they, they were under new was it Moyes or was it yeah. yeah? I just you know and that was just enjoyable as a Liverpool fan. Obviously there are our rivals and you know to to win over them at any time is good. But when you're going for the league, these are the most important games. Like the Everton game, that last minute winner that'll that'll just be that's so important. When we look back on the season, these are the games that we need to win, and we've we've. 100% got to win we can't take a draw or anything and yeah you know Mourinho will turn up like he does at Anfield every single time like he's just got out of bed without his hair being brushed he'll turn up he'll turn up he'll turn up in a tracky with his little gilet on like he's not he's just he's forced to get ready and like oh I've got to go here I'm not that bothered where deep down he is and yeah he has this persona about him when he comes to Anfield there it's just another game where you know deep down out of every single team in the Premier League, he hates Liverpool and wants to always do the not do do us. So, but like looking at him, you wouldn't think that. You can just tell. Like he had the Chelsea game again. He turned up. He said he had a cough or something, and then there he is running down the touchline when he scored the <laughs> second. It's what he'll do. Do you have a grudging respect for him? No. <laughs> just what a test. Yeah. I, I don't like him at all. Yeah. Guys, what do you reckon, Sunday? Um, look, we've all, we've mentioned a few ways it can go. Obviously, there's the one way, which is the Mourinho sort of you know boring the game out and doing that nil nil thing and whatever. And part of me thinks that you know there's a part of Klopp that is okay with that. He's a very positive person. I think part of him is like, look, we get out of there nil nil. That's fine. But there's also the part of me that thinks this is Mourinho season two or three at United and Klopp's come up against that Mourinho before and that was when he was at Chelsea. That was the Chelsea... He was at, I think it was his second season, sorry, at Chelsea, but it was on the way down. He looks like he's on the way down at United as well. I feel like it could be that sort of game. I think Chelsea scored against us first in that one. I'm not sure, but yeah. Coutinho... Chelsea had he scored, didn't he? Yeah, but Coutinho pulls us out, and I, 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 I'm not saying United are going to score first, but if that does happen, message to all the fans, it doesn't matter because I feel like it's going to be one of those games. I think Mourinho's on the way down. We shouldn't be too afraid. We should be cautious, but I, I think Klopp maybe feels like it's going to be a, an opportunity to get three points, an opportunity to really rub their noses in it. Uh, but also, you know, it's it's Manchester United, yes, but they're also the team coming seventh, eighth, whatever. It's not It's not our business. Let's just beat the team that's not in the top four get three points and just move on with our goal, which is just winning the league. Yeah, I mean, the first goal, as you mentioned, is going to be massive. If they do somehow get the first goal, be it from a set piece or whatever, that gives them something to cling to. If we can score early on, you'd absolutely back You know, our, our defence, Lovren probably, um, Van Dijk as well, and Alisson, you'd, you'd back them to keep a clean sheet. It's just how long does the game go on nil-nil, or do they go one-nil in front? That gives Mourinho exactly what he wants. I'm sure if you asked him now, he'd take a nil-nil straight away. So the longer it stays nil-nil, the more the crowd will become nervous, the more you know, the players might try and force it. And it's up to us to be patient. 
on the pitch and in the stands. Would you want? But yeah. So. And they've got a really poor defensive record this season. And I mean, I hope De Gea doesn't turn up like the cat we know he can be. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we'll 100% score. I'm convinced we're going to score. And our defence now can keep other teams out. You know, yeah. we keep clean <coughs> sheets. That used to be the other way around. So I think we'll win. But it's all very quickly. It's also that thing. It's in the manager's notes in the Napoli game notes. He says if we don't score in the first five ten minutes, it's okay. And that's been his message since day dot at Liverpool. And we do see. I don't. I'm not sure how often Liverpool score in the first five minutes. But if it does get five ten minutes, I think the most time we score, I think, is after fifteen minutes or after twenty or something like that. So um, yeah. If, if it sort of doesn't happen early, that's it's not the worst thing in the world, basically. And I know. For, I, know sorry, I know for myself growing up. It, it seems strange to see United in the position that they are now. But this game, I wonder if people, journalists or fans, will do draw parallels between the clubs because they, they really seem to be going in different directions. It feels like almost like a sliding doors moment, this kind of thing. And I, I'm with you guys. I, I can see Liverpool making a statement because Liverpool's so well run on the field by Klopp and the players and off the field too. And United, it almost feels like this is just to kick and wipe it down a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if Liverpool can go there, go there, score early, get one or two more, imagine the statement that that puts out. Not just in terms of the title race, but in terms of look at the gulf there is between the two sides at the moment. I'm not, I'm not sure how many points. Is it 11 points between us? Which is remarkable, more. isn't it? Yeah. You know, if, if that goes up to 14 points at this stage of the season, that'd just be absolutely incredible. On that note then, predictions? What's your scoreline for Sunday? Oh, God. 3-0 yeah, I was yeah. going to say something like that <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah why don't why don't I go I'll go 3-0 as well yeah yeah I think we'll keep a clean sheet so I think I'll go 2-0 2-0 two goals in the last 10 minutes happy days oh. and a Merseyside double <laughs> no chance. I don't Fingers know. crossed. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Come on, Blues. <laughs> Just before we wrap up, it's probably the last view from the COP podcast we'll do in 2018. So uh, it may come on Sunday, but just ask each of you what's your best moment following Liverpool this season, uh, this in this year, I should say. This calendar year. Yeah, yeah, this calendar year. Oh, I, it's it's Salah's goal against um against City. At the uh, Etihad. At the Etihad. Because there was there was the video that came afterwards with the Titanic music. And I think I've watched that on loop like 200, 300 times. And so it's not the greatest goal ever. Um, I think it's Mane that goes through it, it bounces off. Um, and then it just comes to Sarri, he dinks it over. And just it's not the greatest goal ever, but just the, the context of it. It's just, yeah, that is my favourite moment. I keep watching it. I think it's got to be Divock Origi for me. Um, in the derby, just the way it happens, everything around that how important it is in the title race imagine if we win the league by a point Divock Origi could be the hero <laughs> yeah um, the, the Salah one's a good shout and that 20 seconds is the 20 seconds where Manchester City fans started to despise us you can just you watch it back and you just go where's this hatred come from just watch that video um, for me personally uh, the Van Dijk header in the derby was up there, but probably the being in Rome at full time celebrating into the European Cup final. But Amazing. the Sean Cox flag, uh, it was just like uh, the unity um, in the side. Then was probably I'll go for that because you don't like you've banned me from saying Julie for having it. I can't choose. Like it's been such a a good year for our football club. Obviously, we would have 
love to have um, won the European Cup in May. It wasn't to be, but you know, this time next year we could be we could be champions of England and if not Europe, you never know. And yeah, it's been a remarkable journey from just Klopp's. Obviously, he's been here for a few years now, and it's just it's just been great. I remember the Roma game at home. I think that was when I was kind of like my football team are really good at football. <laughs> it was a game like really sad actually because Alex Oxley Chamberlain gets injured. But I was just like we were like the Red Arrows. We were at our best at that game. We were flooding, throwing balls over the top. I just thought we'd never stop scoring, and you know we're never going to stop. And I think on that note, it's the perfect time to end. Guys, thanks very much for being on this podcast. I really enjoyed host, hosting it. hope people at home have uh, enjoyed listening to it. George particularly, thanks, mate, for coming all the way over My pleasure. from America. Uh, if we can ever return the favour on the LFC couch, just give us a shout, mate. Absolutely. No, thanks we'll come over to America. Excuse <laughs> 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 I won't pay for it. Well. <laughs> thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.